You know, today there's a lot of emphasis on physical health and exercise, and, and that's great. But how many of you know our minds need to have some exercise? Our minds, first of all, needs to be cleaned out. Now, like I said, our soul has to do with our mind, will, and emotions. When the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 that you and I have the mind of Christ, what that means is, is that I have the mind of Christ, or the mind of Christ is in the realm of my spirit man. In other words, it doesn't necessarily yet, it does not necessarily reside in my soul. That's why especially a lot of young baby Christians or even carnal Christians or immature believers at the time, they're young in the Lord, they have a lot of contradictions and they go through a lot of conflict because they will say, well, why do I desire spiritual things one day and the next day I seem to get out of the Spirit and I become a very carnal person and I have the residue of my old nature there. I'm still carnal. I think bad thoughts. I, I still I have anger issues. I have unforgiveness Well, that's because your soulish man, which is this area of your life, has not been renewed yet. And uh, the spirit man has not had, and the reason I got these arrows here, is because these arrows represent the desire to influence the soul. The flesh, you all have a flesh and bone body. The body, the flesh in the Bible, especially in Romans 6, is referred to your house. It is referred to your temple. Okay? And so, this is what houses my spirit and soul man. Now, my soulish man, which is comprised of my will and emotions, also has a conscious level, subconscious level, and an unconscious level. All of us, When I refer to the conscious level, conscious level of my mind has to do with the things that I am aware of presently at that moment. We all have a, we're conscious right now that we're in this room. We're conscious that Pastor Ray is speaking to us. I'm conscious of the fact that I'm sitting here in this attire, I'm in this place. The conscious mind has to do with things that are external, the things that I see around me, things that I'm aware of as I, where I'm at at the present time. That's the conscious mind. Then there's the subconscious. So the word subconscious means underneath. What is underneath? The subconscious mind deals with our memories. It also deals with our beliefs and our convictions. Those things, the subconscious deals with the internal or the inward things. The conscious mind deals with the external things. The internal things may not necessarily be, you're necessarily conscious of it. For instance, if I mention certain things right now, for instance, I'm going to say something since we're in this political environment. If I said Democrat... Some of you may think, oh, wow. Or some of you might, let, you might say, why, yes, yes. Somebody might mention the word father. Some of you see what happens when a word or a phrase or something hits that 
subconscious mind of yours, what happens is in your mind and in your emotions, it goes into your subconscious and it retrieves. It retrieves from that subconscious area. It retrieves from that storage area where memories and information and data is stored. It retrieves what it remembers. It retrieves what it knows. And what happens is, out of that comes either damaged emotions fears, or we begin to react in some way. In fact, sometimes I've seen people, I'm sure you've seen people, you've come upon people, and maybe, for instance, this actually happened. I was going to the airport one time, DFW, and I had a couple people going with me to the DFW. We were having a great time as we were going out to the airport. But when, when we got to the airport, there was a particular individual that had such a fear of flying, flying, and they begin to just go into a panic attack, and they were going to get on the plane with me. And they were going through this, and I looked at this individual, and they were just, they had their handkerchief out, and they were wiping their neck, and we're getting ready to go through the, the, uh, uh, the TSA where they're going to check our tickets, and I, I'm thinking, man, are you okay? Because you, you look guilty. You know, you almost look like you're a terrorist because, I mean, they were just like panicking. I'm saying, are you, are you okay? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And, but the person was terrified. And as I begin to dive in, this is what happens. In the conscious level, the conscious level, he wanted to let me know that everything was fine on the conscious level. But on the subconscious level, he was terrified. And, and all of a sudden, he was beginning to become afraid. Well, I come to find out a little bit later that he had a relative that had passed away in an airplane crash, and which was in his memory going clear back. And so there was some emotions that had been hurt. That was in the subconscious level. Uh, I, used to, I used to deliver oil for Montag Oil when I was in Oregon. And one of the things that used to happen to me when I would come and deliver at particular home sites, deliver oil, uh, one of the things we always asked our clients to do is tie up your dog. And I was the oil man. And when I would come and deliver the oil, guess what? I'd get attacked by the dog. Now, they didn't give us mace at that time, but I'll tell you one thing. One good shot of diesel two in the face does a lot of good for a dog. Now, for you animal lovers, I know that doesn't sound very good, but when it's my, my leg and, uh, or his eyeballs, his eyeballs are going. I'm sorry. And there was several times when the owner, by the way, I, I don't blame the dog. I'm, I'm, I'm not mean to animals. I love animals. But when you have a vicious dog attacking you because the client did not tie their dog up because the oil man, me, coming, to put oil, heating oil, in their home. Well, what happened? Guess what? Over a process of time, I became paranoid with dogs. And I, I did not like that. I, uh, I had a problem with that. Well, I, I, that, that began to affect my peace of mind, in my subconscious mind. And I'm just touching on these things the third area of the soul is our unconscious. Unconscious mind has to do with things that come naturally. 
for us. Things that have to do with habits. Um, uh, it's like an individual, a guy who gets up in the morning. In fact, this used to happen to me a long time ago. We used to have the Dallas Morning News delivered at our doorstep years ago. Every morning, I'd get up and I would go out and get the Dallas Morning News. I remember one day, Carol said to me, Ray, how did the Dallas Morning News get into our kitchen table? I don't know. I had actually gone out and got it and wasn't even aware that I did it. it, it, Because it was so automatic. In other words, the unconscious area has to do with what I do automatically or habitually without even knowing about it. Now, the reason I bring these three areas in the soul is because how many of you believe God wants to bring some health and well-being into all areas of our life? You see, not, not just in the unconscious. Some of us do some things unconsciously. For instance, I remember there was an individual who had a problem with racism. And part of the problem with racism in this individual wasn't necessarily from him, but it was because of the environment he'd been raised in several generations. His great-grandfather, his grandfather, his grandmother, and his family had issues with a particular race. And so because it was so natural and so habitual and so automatic, this individual had begun to develop a particular case in his subconscious and unconscious mind that this particular race was inferior because of a generational impartation from family members. Now, we know that, and I call that a defective thinking. It's, it's, it's uh, carnal thinking, and uh, one of the things that this, this individual had a difficult time doing was coming to reconcile and, and realizing that that, individ, that that particular race was a, a valid uh, uh, group of people that he should, or she should acknowledge. And so part of the restoration or the restoring of the mind or the restoring of the soul is getting us back to what God's intended plan was. Amen? Now the Bible says in Proverbs 24, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. How how many here have ever felt that the way you think is like a stinky diaper that needs to be changed? Anybody ever been there? Well, I can raise both hands and a couple feet on that one. Okay, there's some thinking that is stinky thinking. It's wrong thinking. And it's in the area of my soul. Now, you can just put baby powder, scented powder, and you can just take some scriptures and quote some scriptures and think that that's all that's necessary. But God's not interested in just peppering you with some scriptures and some nice feely stuff. God's interested in doing a complete internal change in your life. And it's called transformation. The word transformation in Hebrews, I'm sorry, Romans 12 too, is where we get the word metamorphosis. And the word metamorphosis is, and we all know that word that's taken, where a caterpillar or a worm is, is turned and transformed into a butterfly. And you know, when a caterpillar is on a twig leaf and he is crawling on his belly, like they all do. Worms, they crawl on their bellies. And you know, they look up in the sky and they see that beautiful 
colored butterfly fluttering in the wings. And while that worm is on that little twig, he's probably imagining, wow, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be great to be up there flying like that butterfly where he's so free, flying so high, going in levels that I myself am limited to. You see, a caterpillar is limited because of where it is at. It is bound by gravity. It is bound by certain limitations. And this is why the Apostle Paul chose this word. Because when we metamorphose, when our soul is transformed, what does that caterpillar do? It begins to weave a web. It begins to weave a little cave. It crawls in there. And while it's in that place of incubation, and it's where we are incubating, it's where we are in that place, and sometimes where the world is shut out, it's in that place where we are focused, when things are beginning to transform from the inside out. Amen? Listen to me. The renewing of the mind is about being transformed from the inside out, not from the outside in. And when I begin to live from the inside out, that means that my spirit man has actually taken root inside of my soul. There's there's a process that I want to just give to you here because let me just say this. When you and I are born into this world, we are born with a blank slate. There's no scars, there's no abuse, there's no marks on our soul. We're a blank slate. But when we are born, we are born into an environment, and that environment begins to sow seeds. And when that environment begins to sow seeds, those seeds all of a sudden become, it can be bad seed, it can be good seed, but it becomes seeds of influence, and that influence becomes an environment. That environment becomes our norm, whether bad or good. You could be born in a, in a family. I, I was just talking to uh, my brother here. I, lo- I love him so much. And uh, Brother Bo, who's up in the county jail, and I was seeing him just a week ago. And he said, you know, Ray, when I was born into my family, he said, I remember the years when I would get up, eat my Captain Crunch, and my, both of my parents were sprawled out from methamphetamines all night because of these parties they have. He says, I got myself up, even before I was a teenager, I got myself dressed and went to school. And he says, I grew up to believe that this was normal for everybody. I grew up to think that this is the way everyone lives. And he grew up to think that way. And as the result of that, he become uh, very isolated. He become, uh, begin to think that something was wrong with him. Uh, He had issues at school, but what happened was is that because of that situation, that became a security for him. You see, there's, there's some times where our environment becomes our security, and we actually begin to believe that the things that are happening to us that are bad are normal, and you actually have a difficult time transitioning into what is good because all you've known is to be by yourself or to be isolated or to raise yourself. And from that place of security, we begin to form attachments. We become attached 
to certain things that all we know. In fact, I've seen people, and you've probably heard them as well, where certain people say, you know, Pastor, I, I don't know how I can ever know peace because all I've known is turmoil. And I, every time you speak on peace, it doesn't sit well with me because turmoil is what has been my security. I, I'm not happy unless I'm miserable. I know that sounds weird, but that's exactly what, what the soul that has been damaged or hurt or scarred it, it becomes it becomes a security blanket. It, they become they start attach. There's there's certain attachments to certain behaviors, certain thoughts, certain feelings, and we look at people like that and and we say, wow, they're just bad people. No, no, they're not bad people. What's happened is there has been a process. There have been stages that have led them to that place where the soul is a sick. So, not healthy. Now, the purpose of renewing the mind is to make you healthy. Everyone say healthy. God wants you to be healthy. But we need to define what healthy is, amen? We need to understand what healthy is. One of the most important things in in ministering and working with people. We never, ever want to communicate or convey to people that have, have wounded hearts, broken souls, damaged souls, individuals that have come out of environments where their security, things that they have become attached to, we never want to convey to them that they're bad or they're wrong. What we want, to, we want them to still know, we always want to convey to everyone that they're a child of God. Part of the renewing of the mind is to build the foundation of their identity. Amen? And what's so important, we're going to get into something here. But we need to understand the nature of this war. Now, I do want to say this. When a person, or before a person gets saved, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that they're under the prince of the power of the air. This is, this is basically hell. You see, when my soul, before my soul was saved, before my spirit man, I should say, become born again, my soul and my flesh rules my life. The Bible says, I by nature uh, was given to the lusts of the flesh, and I served my flesh. And my soul was really without peace, there was hostility. The Bible says my soul had enmity against God. I was in, my soul was in rebellion against God. But the reason was, is because the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan himself, the Bible says, refers to him in Corinthians, as the God of this world who blinds the soul, blinds the eyes of men. And what happens is, is that my soul becomes stressed out. My soul becomes tormented. My soul is vexed. And so what what do people do when they're vexed and they're tormented? You know what they got to do? They got to medicate. Got to medicate the soul. Medicating can be all forms. It can be be pleasure. It can be drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, immorality. It can be just a number of things. But they medicate the soul because what happens, and here's the problem, when I am not saved... I am 
exposed. Everyone say exposed. See, an unrenewed mind is an exposed mind. It means that I am subject to voices. I am subject to the lies of the enemy. One of the reasons why in the renewing of the mind we begin... By the way, renewing of the mind is not just taking the Bible and reading my Bible. It's part of it, but that, that does not bring a healthy... I call it an umbrella. What brings the umbrella of protection to my soul and my flesh? And I pray that you get this because this is where salvation takes place. Is when I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Everyone say Lordship. It is not enough to attend church or even to read Bibles or turn over a new leaf and become religious. When Jesus becomes Lord, what's so important is when I surrender to His authority. It is being under His authority when the spirit man comes alive, all of a sudden my soul and my body begins to experience the peace, the joy, and the right standing or righteousness of God in Christ in my heart. The Bible says, for He restoreth my soul. And only then, when Jesus becomes Lord, what that means is this, is He's in charge. Being a Christian means Jesus is in charge of my life. And that being in charge of my life means this, is that when it comes to my plans, when it comes to decisions, when it comes to my outlook, where I'm going, in other words, I take I, I, I arrest, I apprehend my soul, I bring my soul to this point, and I begin to consult with the Lord and ask Him, Lord, what do you want me to do? In every area of my life. And what happens, that brings me under this huge, I call it this umbrella of protection. It is, it is the only way, and then all of a sudden, my soul... I love what David said in the 23rd Psalm. He restores, he causes me to lie down beside still waters. He, he leads me beside still waters. He, he causes me to lie down. He even presents a table before my enemies. See, when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is what the soul is all about, being restored. I shall not want. I'm not in a place where I'm wanting because my soul has been properly aligned with the one who loves me and the one who created me. Amen. How many of you know that you were created not only for fellowship with our Heavenly Father, but when my soul is properly in alignment with the way God created me, what happens is all of a sudden, it's kind of like going to a chiropractor, everything lines up and everything starts feeling a lot better. How many of you believe God wants you to feel better? I really believe that. Restoring of the mind. Serving the Lord is not about suffering. Serving the Lord is not about you experiencing pain and, oh, you need to suffer so you'll get mature. No, that, that's, that's not what it's about. God wants your soul, He wants your soul to experience abundant life. Amen? He wants you to experience abundance. But that abundance, but, but here's where the battle is. 
See, sometimes we get in this tug of war. In one day, I can be in the spirit. In another day, I can be in the flesh. And I can, I can be walking with God today. I can have an amazing time in prayer or in church or just, just in my own daily life. I'm in the spirit. And being in the spirit simply means that I'm in a place of agreement with God. That's what it means to be in the spirit. I'm in agreement with him. I'm not walking contrary to him. By the way, I want everyone to say this. I am in agreement with God. You see, and, and the reason why you know you're in agreement is because you've said yes to him. It doesn't mean that you've got to exercise and do all this kind of a, uh, a, a spiritual uh, aerobics in your head to get yourself, and I've got to pray harder, read the more Bible, I've got to do no, God's not looking for that. If you've been out of the spirit, you've been in the flesh, or you become a soulish man, you can get right back in the spirit by just simply saying right now, Lord, I've been bringing things on myself, doing a lot of things out of my own strength and effort, and right now I just want to release, cast all my cares on you, and I want to say yes to you right now. And you know what your heavenly father does? He says, I love you, son. You're back in the spirit. And that's all it takes. There's no, there's no exercise. There's no proving to do anything. There's no effort on your part. All it simply is is a response where you just say yes to your Heavenly Father. And you know what he does? The Bible says that he restoreth my soul. The renewing of the mind has to do with not only you be restored in fellowship, but the Lord begins to restore the benefits. And he begins to restore and he begins to water your soul like a garden. The Bible says in Isaiah 58 that uh, the man who seeks the Lord, he shall, he shall be like a watered garden, a watered garden and that will bring forth its fruit in its season. And God wants your soul, your mind, your will and emotions, all the dynamics of that area, he wants that to be restored. Can you say amen? It's really important that we just understand the dynamics of spirit, soul, and body. Now, I want my spirit man, by the way, the spirit, when the Bible says that we are born of the spirit, to be born of the spirit means that you, that the, this is the mind of Christ. In fact, what that means is that you have literally the mind of the Trinity. You have the mind of the Father in, in the spirit in your life. When you've received Christ, you've accepted him, you have the mind of God, you have the will of God, you even have the knowledge of God within you. Now you may say, well, pastor, are you saying that I, I know everything because of that? No, it doesn't mean you know everything, but it means that the Spirit of God within you, amen, he begins to make you aware of the fact that you belong to him and that he is going to begin to operate and he's going to begin to make some downloads into your soul. But the thing that hinders the Spirit in my life from really walking in the victory or walking with confidence is because there are things, there are walls in my soul. There, there are strongholds in this area of my life and my mind. And, and by the way, like I said, whether it's in the subconscious or the conscious area, whether it's, the, whether it's in the area of awareness, where it's exposed, or the area that's hidden or underneath, there are things that you are aware of and there are things that you are not aware of. And by the way, part of the renewing of the mind is where you are free 
to allow the Holy Spirit or God to begin to bring things to light in you that are hidden in your soul. See, when he begins to set the soul free, guess what happens? The whole man begins to walk in that abundant life. But see, God has to begin to get into the soul. Many of us, not even knowing it, sometimes we don't even know it. We have walls around us. We don't even know that there are certain strongholds. There are certain things that we've come to accept over the years that become habitual, that become just part of our, our daily life. There, it, it could be prejudice. It can be fears. It can be a particular leaning in the way we think or an opinion or an attitude about something that's in the soul that actually hinders the spirit from beginning to take dominion over the soul. It doesn't mean you're not saved. But it means you're limiting the Holy Spirit in your life. And by the way, he's always knocking at the door of your heart. And he's saying, let me in. Let me in. Let me knock on the door of your heart. Let me show you a better way. Amen? Now let's come to your notes here for a minute. I I know I'm moving and I may not get through this and that's okay tonight. Praise God. Four stages of change we're going to be looking at. First of all, assessment and diagnostic evaluation. It is so important that you and I are willing to assess, make assessments. How many of you have ever confronted yourself? Now, I'm not suggesting that we confront ourselves to condemn ourselves, and I'm not even talking about this kind of introspection where we begin to examine ourselves in such a way that, that we try to fix ourselves in our own strength. But it is important, and I love what Paul said in the book of Galatians. He said that the law was a tutor to bring me to Christ. And that's so important. I need the, what did the law do? Paul said this, I would have never known that, um, that uh, I, I was, uh, had a problem in the area of covetousness until the law came. And, and what the law does is the law shows me a problem, but it's not intended to end there. It's to lead me to Christ who gives me the grace to recognize that he is able when I am not able. And so it's so important that we begin to assess and we assess properly. Secondly, we need to understand the importance of connection. And we, we're going to be looking at some of the right tools, the right people. What I mean by right people is I want to say to you tonight that not everybody may be qualified to help you on your journey when it comes to renewing your mind. That doesn't mean that they're bad people. But when you are renewing your mind, sometimes God may pull you away from certain friends that may have an influence that might even be very negative to you. And you understand what I'm talking about here? We're not talking about rejecting. We're not talking about classifying anybody, writing anybody up. That's not what we're talking about. But there's times where the Lord may want you to withdraw from certain individuals that has had a negative or detrimental influence to the ongoing process of your healing. Now, the Lord, by the way, God can use you to reach those people in time. But sometimes we're going to look at how to work with that. The third thing is understanding boundaries. Every soul, every body who wants to walk in a culture of honor, who's going to walk in, in, walk in a place where you are recognizing the treasure The Bible says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. 
You, what you treasure, you protect. And what you protect, you set boundaries on. Amen? How many here have, have a home here? Well, can you imagine if I came over to your house and uh, I was out at Lake Levon and I brought a bunch of catfish in and I drugged them through your house and said, Hey, I'm here. I got a lot of fish. I want to give you some. You say, Pastor Ray, why did you drag in Lake Levon into my house? See, what I'm showing you, I don't really respect you. I'm not really honoring you. But I may come to you and say, you know what? If you really are a Christian, you should just love me and love me the way I am. That's not what God, that's not the kind of love that God wants us to walk in. In other words, when we come to the restoring of our soul, we're going to come to learn to treasure, and then we're going to learn to value and protect. In other words, I want to guard my heart. I want to guard my relationship. I'm not going to allow certain attitudes in my life that can cause uh, there to be a breakdown. Then we're going to look at development. We're going to learn how to feed the mind, empower the mind, establish even what we call neuropathic pathways. And the last thing, the ultimate goal is fruitfulness and fulfillment. Fruitfulness and fulfillment. Down on a Roman numeral number three, if we can go all the way down, I want to go through these very quickly. For the sake of time, I'm not going to... Uh, wow, you already got them up. Praise God, I didn't know you were on there. <laughs> okay, the Bible says, go ahead, put it up. You, you got it up there already. Um, Proverbs 24, and this is important when it comes to the soul, what is the mind? The Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 5, that wisdom builds a house. And it says, and the rooms. Are, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. One of the things, even in psychology and in the study of the soul and the mind, we call it compartmentalizing. We know that our soul has many rooms. And one of the keys for helping people get whole is being able to access rooms. I remember several, several times, even with some uh, sozo ministry and opportunities, one of the keys in helping people get whole is by being able to access the rooms. Now, you can have a million rooms, a thousand rooms, hundreds of rooms. These rooms have to do, it goes clear back even to my childhood. These rooms recognize certain relationships. These rooms recognize events. They recognize certain things that have happened over my life. These rooms recognize certain belief systems that I've come to embrace and to hear because of the influence of others that I looked up to and I trusted in them. But these rooms may be rooms that may have a skunk in them and it smells up the whole house. These rooms can be rooms where they're, that remind us of painful experiences. And so when someone comes to knock on the door of your life and say, hey, I'd love to get to know you, all of a sudden the room, the wall, or I'm sorry, at the door says this, do not enter, you are not welcome. I am afraid of you. It's because there are certain things, thoughts, there are certain images in the mind of an individual. Let me give you a case in point. As a pastor, I've had many people, many people over the years, scared to death of pastors. 
because they've seen so much abuse by pastors. They've seen pastors, immature pastors, they've seen leaders that have used their authority and have hurt them or embarrassed them. I remember not too long ago of a woman sharing with me one time. She was going through a very difficult issue in her personal life, and her pastor, of all things, happened to broadcast the problem and use her life as an example in a sermon. It humiliated her. I'll never forget that. And what I did, I said, can I stand in his place, even though I'm not him, but can I please, as a pastor, ask you to forgive me or forgive what that man did to you as a pastor? And it was so important for part of the healing process because she never knew, this is an interesting, she never knew that pastors ever thought they could do something wrong. I mean, there's people that think like that about ministers, and it's sad. By the way, guys, I'm no different than you. I'm made out of the same flesh and blood as you, and I got emotions, and I got issues. And by the way, I've even had sin problems, and I've had anger issues, and I've had a lot of dysfunctional. Now, don't, don't all leave at the church at once. But I want you to know that there's part, there's been a serious misconception about people who preach the Word. That we, you think, or maybe it's been uh, communicated to you, that the guys up here are so qualified because they're so perfect. Wrong. Don't shout too loud, James, please. (laughs) I know James, James, I'm just playing with James. But here's the point. What may surprise you, isn't it amazing why Jesus chose the 12 disciples he chose? These guys were a train wreck. These guys were a mess. And yet, these are the guys that God, Jesus used and calls them the apostles of the church. But yet, we still today don't register that issue. We're not up here because we're qualified. We're up here because we're saved by grace. We're up here because it's his mercy that's in, in what God intended. One of the reasons we're called and anointed to preach is because God wants us to really be transparent about our weaknesses because my transparency is what brings an anointing that empowers the grace of God in you to say, wow, if God can do something in a red galaxy, wow, I guess he can do something to me. That's the purpose. We're not up here because we got credentials. I got a PhD and a master's in theology and philosophy. That's not it. It's because we're here because of his mercy. We're here because of his great love. And we need to be speaking and preaching part of the restoring of the soul is in empowering you to a vision empowering you with the tools to know that you can rise up and be the man woman god called you to be number two letter b the mind proverbs 24 verse 30 i wish i had time on this the mind is like a garden how many of you know it's possible for your garden to be a weeded garden how many have ever planted a garden here how many of you know if you don't steward the garden, what happens? Overthrows with weeds and thorns. Proverbs 24, verse 30, it says, I went by the field of the slothful man, a man void of understanding. And it says, and the fence was broken down. This is in Proverbs 24, verse, Proverbs 24, 34 through 34. And it says, and the walls were broken down. Wall speaks of no defense. There's no defense. And the thorns... And the nettles were overgrown. What that means is neglect and no protection. 
The point is this. If I do not steward my mind, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm out of prayer, when I am not nurturing my soul and my heart and my life, guess what? I find my mind drifting, and I don't drift in a good way. I don't drift in a good place. I become carnal. I become negative. I become pessimistic, full of unbelief. And you know what? Then I start blaming God, blaming the church, blaming people, and I withdraw. And those are, those are some of the stages. The, the, the mind, what else the Bible says? The mind, the Bible says, Peter says, First pretty 13, to gird up the loins. The word loin there in the Greek means to procreate. The mind is a place where there is things that are created. It's things where the seed begins to conceive ideas. Gird up the loins of your mind. Also, in, in the Bible says, in 1 Peter 2, 3, it says, Oh, taste and see. The mind can actually taste. How many of you know that your mind has an appetite for things? You can taste things through your mind. And I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about you have a certain taste for certain things. You have a taste for certain things. A certain certain type of people, a certain atmosphere. You have a taste for that. Uh, also, letter E, our minds develop an appetite by what we put in it. I want to read this scripture in Philippians chapter 3. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 3. I've got five minutes and I will finish at 8 for, for your children's sake. Philippians chapter 8. Listen, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. As Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. For many walk of whom I have told you of often, now I tell you weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. Now he's not talking about that these guys like Big Macs and milkshakes. That's not what he's talking about. And the glory is in their shame who set their minds on earthly things. Notice what Paul is saying here. What they've done is they've yielded instead of yielding to the Spirit. Now, he's not referring here to unbelievers. He's talking about people who started well in the race. They started well. He's not talking about unbelievers here. He's talking about they started well, but I'm weeping. Now they're enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. In other words, they're just given to their own carnal appetites who set their mind on earthly things. Well, what, what is an earthly thing? What does an earthly thing mean? What does that mean, to, to be earthly-minded? Well, it simply means, it means anything that is against God. To be earthly-minded means that you prioritize your life, your time, your effort, your strength. You set your love. On earthly things. That, that's what he says. He says they actually become enemies of the cross of Christ. Now Paul's not saying this for the sake of condemnation. But he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, which we, will all, we eagerly wait for the savor of the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lower body, that it may be conformed to his glorious image, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Let me just say this. When Jesus comes, 
And a lot of people think that when, when Jesus comes, he's going to transform everything. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes, the only thing that's going to be changed in a twinkling in a lie is our body. Do you know why he gives us the Holy Spirit? Because he wants us now. Everyone say now. He wants us now to be renewing our minds for the purpose of ruling and reigning with him. He's not coming. Some people say, well, I I've heard this one guy, a guy say this one. You know, I know I'm kind of an old tyrant, and I'm kind of ornery, and I'm, you know, kind of mean behind the ears. But, you know, someday in the sweet old by and by, when Jesus comes, he'll change this old ornery guy that I am. No, Jesus is not going to change that old ornery guy that you are. You are to learn to walk out and work out your own salvation now. And that has to do with the renewing of your mind. Let, let me tell you something, folks. Do you know what death is? Death means finished course. It means you've finished the course. You've run your race. When a person dies, it means you have finished what God has called you to and what his, he, he's asked you to do as far as his will for your life. It means I fought the good fight. I finished the course. Every one of you, God has a plan for your life to finish. And death means that I have finished the course. Let me tell you who gets into heaven. Those who finish the race. That's who gets into heaven. It's not who starts the race, who finishes the race. How do I know if I finish the race? Well, how, am I doing his will? Because that's what Paul says. I fought a good fight and I finished the course. And there's therefore laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, I, I do want you to know, I do believe that Carl Christian can get to heaven. But they sure miss out on a lot here on earth. God wants us to have our souls renewed here as well. Uh, also, uh, last scripture, and this is in Matthew 6.22, and I'm going to end with this. Matthew 6, Matthew 6.22, and this is so important. Our minds are a lens. Everyone say lens. When it comes to the renewing of our mind, Matthew 6, it says, the lamp of the body is the eye. The word eye there is another word for mind. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the word there, good, means to be single-minded or single-eyed. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. What he is saying here? is that it's possible for you to call evil good. He said, if the light that is in you is darkness. Well, how do I know if the light that's in me is darkness? Was because the way I'm thinking, the way I'm walking, is contrary to his word. But he says this, it's a place of deception. And what he says, if the light that is in thee, what you call light, he says, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And that's really what self-deception is. Deception is when I begin to make assumptions about something that is contrary to God's Word. One of the things that I believe that here at New Life, we've always tried to build this, that we need to live by the Word. Amen? Renewing our minds, renewing our minds starts 
by coming under the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. When I come under the Lordship of Jesus, I'm under the umbrella of his protection. And we're going to be looking at this over the next couple of weeks as we begin to look at what it is to renew the mind. I pray that you'll come and follow through with this. Let's, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we, first of all, Lord, we just thank you that you have given us, Lord, your Holy Spirit. And Lord, it doesn't matter where we are on this journey, you are so faithful. Lord, your word says that you are faithful to complete that work which you have begun in our lives. I'm asking you, Lord, right now that you would just continue to stir our hearts. I pray that hope would be given to us, Lord, knowing that it doesn't matter where we are at in this journey. There may be some of us this evening that maybe there's some real uh, issues and there's some boundaries. Maybe there's certain limitations or strongholds. Pray, Father, that you would just infuse hope with people. Help them to know that even though we have a very complex mind, we have uh, our lives are very complex with all the issues and understanding the soul. I just pray, Lord, that we would come to a place where we enter into rest. And Lord, knowing that you're leading and guiding and that you will never, never give up on us. Lord, we love you. We look to you. We lean on you tonight. I pray for a spirit of rest upon your people tonight. Give them hope. Give them rest, Lord. Lord, we, we believe we're going to come back and experience amazing things even this year in our families, our homes, and our community. In Jesus' name, amen.